Hello and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Native American artists, creators, writers, musicians, movers and shakers, and culture bearers. People in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Native American community from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Dr. Cicely Littlewolf, MD, a citizen of the Northern Cheyenne Nation and a second year resident at Sanford Hospital in Fargo, North Dakota. She is an in-med graduate from the University of North Dakota School of Medicine. What makes Dr. Littlewolf so interesting is the level of strength and energy that surrounds her. She is a U.S. Army officer, currently a captain in the North Dakota Army National Guard, a mentor to many young future Native American physicians, and for full transparency, uh, my wife of 12 years. So honestly, there is too much to talk about in describing what makes her so interesting. So let's just jump into this interview with Cicely. Cicely, hi. Welcome to Five Plain Questions. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this is kind of a big deal for me personally. Um, and yeah, it's it's exciting to have you here. You're the, the fourth um, in-med uh, student or former student uh, to be on the series. And so uh, I'm really excited to have you here. So thank you. Um, so let's just jump into it. Well, before we jump into it, um, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge on the onset that you are, in fact, my wife. Uh, we've been married for 12 years. Um, we're coming up on 19 years together. And so um, I imagine by the look on your face, that's that's extremely exciting and encouraging. And we, uh, here's to another 12, maybe 19 years. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, can you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and your background? Uh, a little bit about who I am. Um, so I'll just kind of give a story um, um, or kind of tell you a little bit about like a short biography. Um, I am from a small reservation in southeastern Montana. Um, it's called the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. I was uh, born on the uh, Crow Indian Reservation, actually, which is right next door. And um, I was there until about 12, going on 13, um, uh, kind of living out in the middle of nowhere outside a small village called Busby, Montana, and um, surrounded by family. Um, I thought it was quite unique. I I feel like growing up on the reservation, I didn't really know what a friend was. Um, you know, it was something I maybe saw on TV, um, but really my friends were my family. It wasn't really until I moved off the reservation did I actually appreciate what a friend was, because usually that's a non-relative where um, I was surrounded by family the entire time. Um, we, I moved off the reservation when I was joining junior high, so seventh grade. I moved to uh, Vermilion, South Dakota, um, where I... I entered seventh grade. Um, so I went to a public school and I think part of the story is important. So I remember moving off the reservation and I had no idea how big it was. I remember feeling like the first time I was a minority, I remember feeling that and it, it felt kind of lonely. Um, it felt, I felt really isolated, uh, moving from a reservation where everybody looked like me, um, sounded like me and then moving to a small, smaller town. It was for millions, a college town. Um, but it's, um, um, was, uh, a really, um, hard time for me growing up because I think that's the first time I ever really knew I was native American. I think it's the first time I ever really knew I was a minority because just looking around, there weren't very many people in my class, maybe a couple of other people. Um, I can think of, um, uh, three or four kind of off the top of my head that I continued seventh grade and then uh, went on to high school with and graduated with. So there just wasn't a whole lot of us. Um, I, I graduated high school. Um, shortly afterwards, I um, I started college at the University of South Dakota. But while I was in high school, I actually joined the South Dakota Army National Guard. I remember, um, um, and I, I think... I've told this story, but I think it's really important. I remember a classmate really saying that women couldn't be in the military, and I couldn't really have that. I I really had this 
quiet competitive spirit. I wouldn't say I'm overtly competitive, um, but I do um, set goals and I really feel like if that's something I want, um, I really feel like there's nothing ever really holding me back um, because I'm willing to put in hard work. So I took my ASVAB. Um, I remember going to the recruiter and he was offering other jobs. I think I remember cook and an admin, which they're just fine. But in my head, I I had um, uh, the job of being a medic. Um, and I think that stems from being really, really young. I remember um, interactions with Indian Health Service. Um, maybe it wasn't always the best. I didn't, I didn't have access to good health care. Um, but I remember... Uh, thinking at a really young age, I, I'm going to be a doctor. And I don't know if that's something I saw on TV. Um, I I just remember looking in the mirror and uh, putting on a, like a white coat. It must have been my mother's. And I and I was sitting or looking at myself and, and, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I think back then I, I kind of always knew that that was of what I wanted to do. Um, and joining the guard as a medic um, really helped solidify um, that that was my passion. When I started undergraduate school at the University of South Dakota, I I actually started out as pre-med. I think that I was young, I was immature, um, I wasn't confident. Um, and I wasn't confident for a lot of reasons. Um, I think when I was younger, or I should say, I know when I was younger, um, I've, I've kind of, I've had these ideas about being Native American. And um, I've kind of shared this with you a couple times. I didn't really realize until I was older that these things had a larger impact on me than, than I had um, known or maybe um, uh, kind of staring me. But I remember thinking to myself, and as I kind of journaled and worked through this, um, these things I felt, I remember thinking, you know, I probably wasn't good enough. Um, and I wonder if that is probably because, um, you know, I, I was a minority and I'm not sure if I first had anybody who's ever done this that I knew, and I knew I didn't, I didn't really have a role model that I could really mimic. Um, but also, I, I, always, I call it the truth and the lies I tell myself. Um, I think when it kind of boils down to it, I, I went down this path where I thought maybe I was a little shy or maybe I, I, I was kind of, um, how, how would I say this? I'm not sure if I wanted to be Native American. I think because I was trying to blend into a world where I didn't know how I fit in. Um, often growing up in the Midwest, um, I feel like racism is everywhere. Um, you can't really escape it. And and I thought being Native American was a really negative thing. Um, subconsciously, even though I never really um, admitted that to myself. But I remember thinking, um, gosh, if I, if, if I, if I, you know, maybe if I assimilate a little more, if I do this and that, um, I'll be viewed, viewed a little different. And I don't think it's until I got into college um, and when we met, you know, that I really got involved in like a student group at the University of South Dakota and really started to feel this pride. You know, I am unique. Um, I am indigenous. I'm, you know, I really got to be around other people who were very proud of where they came from. Um, and so it really kind of made me think about how I felt about myself um, and how I felt about how I viewed myself. And, you know, and I think that impacted my choices, but it, it really, it really shaped me. And, and I think, I'm not sure if other people feel like that, but I, I think sharing that story um, is really important because I know I can't be the only person to feel this. Um, growing up on a small reservation, moving off, and then um, really trying to find yourself and feeling lost. In fact, I remember in seventh grade, I had said a Cheyenne word and I didn't know it was in English. Um, and I remember being mocked um, when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> And I didn't know, and I, w I remember feeling very 
um, embarrassed. Like I, I was like, oh gosh, this is, you know, and, and it had, now I look back and it's really not that embarrassing actually. It, um, um, I just didn't know. And it just shows how, um, how unique um, our culture is um, from mainstream society. I think that it casts light on how much our culture is still alive and thriving. Um, and um, unfortunately, um, being around kids when I was younger, um, you know, that that had an impact. I wouldn't say it's bullying, but it, it you know, it, it changed me, you know. Um, so I kind of want to get back to my story. So I joined the National Guard. I talked a little bit about how I started college. I started pre-med, kind of gave you the backstory why I wasn't so confident. Um, but while I was getting my first bachelor's degree, um, one of my siblings passed away. Um, and that ultimately changed and influenced how I wanted to live my life. Um, uh, my brother Tony passed away and I went from pre-med to getting a criminal justice degree um, because I really felt like um, this great injustice that happened to my family, this this great injustice, not only my personal family, but even my extended family, that we got, we, we lost a loved one. We had to continue to live this life without this loved one. Um, and that was really devastating for me. And so I thought, gosh, you know, I'm going to get a criminal justice degree. I'm going to try to make an impact. Um, but I couldn't shake this love for medicine. Um, and it wasn't until we moved up here to the North Dakota, um, immediately after graduating from the University of South Dakota with a criminal justice degree, I remember actually talking to you like, I'm going back to school. Like, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't shake that medicine is my calling. Medicine is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, unfortunately, I went the long way around. And um, when I had made that commitment that I was going to go back to school, because um, I had to get a whole second bachelor's degree, um, I had to, you know, get do all the prerequisites for med school, which is years of work, years of hard work. Um, I remember signing up for a chemistry class, and then I got um, called and then I was told that I was deploying um, uh, to Kosovo, so I really got to put had to put my life on hold um, for about a year and a half, um, and that was a great deployment. It was it was a good time, um, but that whole time I really couldn't help but feel like um, like my life was on hold, and I couldn't wait to get back to get it started. Um, so while I was returning home, I actually applied while I was overseas to North Dakota State University in Fargo because that was the closest university and we lived in Moorhead. Um, um, and I was transferred to the North Dakota Army National Guard. So I wanted to go to a state school to take advantage of some of the tuition assistance. Um, so I got, you know, I got home um, in August of 2010 and I literally hit the ground running. I remember coming home and I had a, a couple of weeks of rest. And at the end of August, actually, I started prerequisites for medical school. Um, and you were actually deployed at the time. And I don't know if a lot of people know um, that we were separated for two calendar years. So you left for Afghanistan. Um, and then I came home um, probably, a, I, I can't remember, is it like a few months after you left? Three months um, so we only saw each other on Christmas for two years in a row. Um, and so, um, that was really difficult kind of coming home to an empty home. Um, and I think all deployed soldiers might know what that feels like. You kind of already feel lonely, but I really had my schoolwork to distract me and focus me. Um, I, remember working so hard. Um, and I, I thought, um, I, you know, the, the classes were difficult. Um, I remember, you know, working very, very hard to get A's and, and I got A's and everything but physics, which still kind of bothers me. Um, cause I, I really wish I would have done better and I tried so hard and no matter what I did, I couldn't budget, you know, my B to an A. That's still frustrating. Um, I remember even getting help with tutors and trying everything and, uh, and I'm such a perfectionist. So I, I you know, I, I, it still bugs me to this day. Um, 
But I remember, you know, graduating with college and I just had under a 4.0. Um, and that was that was one of the best feelings because I worked so hard for it. Um, I took the MCAT the first time. And the reason why I'm going to mention my MCAT because I, I really feel like people need to know that um, failure is an opportunity to do something again. Um, failure is an opportunity to do it better. Um, I didn't do well on my MCAT. And that's, if for everybody who doesn't know, that's the entrance exam for medical school. And I did terrible. Um, I mean, I knew I did terrible after the exam. It was a four-hour exam. And uh, I I swear I don't even know what I was reading. I think my anxiety was too high. I kind of made it this mountain I couldn't climb. Um, and I had to take a year off. Um, and I took my second MCAT, or the second uh, uh, time I took it was actually in California. We had moved out to uh, San Francisco, and I had to drive down to Los Angeles so, and if anybody's ever driven in Los Angeles, it, um, it's, it's pretty dense traffic. I mean, I'm a Midwestern girl and I had a little Ford Focus and I'm cruising around and, um, I didn't know anybody or anything, but thank God we have GPS because I was kind of scared driving in some of those neighborhoods. Um, but I got there, um, the day before settled in, um, I remember kind of reviewing flashcards and, um, calling it good and, and getting up early. Um, when I got to the test site, I remember that there was, um, it was a pretty big building and they had um, a separated into two different large like rooms to take the exam. Well, the, uh, the air conditioning had gone out in the room that I was in and they, <laughs> they put these huge industrial fans on us and, and it was September, Los Angeles. It was so hot. I remember sweating and, um, and kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, of course, you know, you know, this would happen. Um, and I even wore a jacket or brought a jacket thinking it would actually be too cold with the air conditioning. Um, and when we, uh, during this exam, there's several sections and you're given the opportunity to take a break. And I remember after the first um, kind of set of questions, I went to the bathroom and, and I was, so hot so hot so much so it was distracting so I remember I took my shirt which was an old um American Eagle shirt um I can still picture it and I um I actually I didn't get it completely soaked but I took it off and kind of got it wet under the sink just so I could have some relief and I remember going back and that made a huge difference and also having water you know taking a break um but that was something that was un unexpected and I think one of the lessons there besides failure, failure is an opportunity to do it better. But I think that we should always be in an attitude where we can be flexible, um, not give up. Um, I think those are all really powerful things that I've I've really um, developed over my adulthood. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of being resilient, maybe not being proud of being Native American, and then really coming into being are becoming into my coming into my own really being proud of who I am um and being adaptable to any situation and I probably owe that to being in the military too because you can't always control everything um um as you know hurry up and wait um sometimes we have uh, t uh you know time hacks we have to hit maybe those are changed or maybe they're moved up but really just trying to be flexible and maintain that type of attitude and and try not to let it um uh control you. Uh, so I remember um, getting done with that exam. And um, not that this day couldn't get any worse, but it was still very hot. And I didn't know exactly where I was or where I could go to eat. Um, I remember I saw like a CVS and I was like, wow, there's a microwave <laughs> in my hotel room. And as I was getting out of the CVS, I like twisted my ankle. <laughs> And then I ended up just getting crappy microwave food um, because I just didn't know the area. And then I felt sorry for myself because I had this great attitude, being resilient, and then my ankle, um, but whatever. And the little car that I was driving was stick shift. So I had to drive stick shift with this kind of janky ankle going all the way back home. And if you guys don't know, um, like LA to San Francisco is at least an eight-hour drive as long as you don't um, hit like you're not hitting traffic at that time. Um, otherwise, it, it could take hours to just to go a few miles. Um, 
So um, I was lucky enough, I, 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 I improved on my MCAT score. Um, I applied um, only actually to the University of, oh, North Dakota and South Dakota. I didn't actually get an interview with the University of South Dakota. Um, but the University of North Dakota gave me an interview um, because I was still considered a resident of the state because we had only left like a month prior. And I had looked into the Bay Area and I knew that the chances of actually getting into medical sc school there was pretty slim. Um, I would actually have to wait a year, become a resident and all that stuff. And I was already in the middle of this career change and, um, you know, I knew it was going to be a long um marathon type process and I wanted to get it started. Uh, I remember you came back for the interview. Um, I thought I did really well. I, I feel like um, I felt good. I, I felt energized afterwards. And then when I got the, um, the phone call that I got into medical school, I remember I was actually I think I was training to be like a CNA in um, San Francisco, and I actually had joined this um, um, this little class that was offered in um, Daly City, and we were on a break, and so I couldn't really check my phone at the time, and I and I missed the phone call. Um, I guess Doctor the previous doctor, Doctor Delorme, had tried calling me, um, but they sent an email, um, and. I feel like this is totally made up, but it's true. Um, so right outside, um, no, it wasn't Daly City, it was Pacifica. I was in Pacifica, and if anybody guys know, it's right on the coastline. Um, and I was like walking on the beach there, and uh, this sounds so Hollywood, but I was walking on the beach and I was so excited. I remember calling you and my mom and I was so excited. Gosh, I was so elated. I mean, I, I felt like I wanted to cry, but I was just so happy I couldn't cry. And... Um, and I look off into the distance here, and then these whales are literally jumping up and then kind of falling into the sea. And um, I hadn't been the only one to notice this. Um, there were other people in the community who brought out these super fancy cameras, and everybody was videotaping. And somewhere, I still have the video um, somewhere, and it it is I remember taking the video because I thought no one is going to believe this. Um, and I really felt like that was such a great sign um, because it, it, it meant um, to me at the time that that everything was falling into place. My hard work those four years, um, being resilient and flexible and retaking the MCAT and then ultimately getting in. Um, uh, and then as far as medical school goes, um, I started that fall and that um, that seemed to be a, a challenge in its own and I don't I don't mean to like poo-poo my hard work in undergraduate but I had no idea the amount of work effort stress that I was actually um, getting myself into uh, once I started medical school because that is the hardest I've ever worked in my life. I remember um, uh, meeting my in-med peers, and there was actually one in-med peer that you interviewed prior to me um, that ended up being, um, I think, one of my great friends um, during medical school, um, Mylon Pantia, and we got along great. You know, he, I think having that support system, not only with someone who is a fellow or with a peer in my class, but also having your support. I mean, you really put your life aside um, so I can pursue my dream. Um, and as far as uh, medical school goes, I feel like um, when I took the first uh, exams, you know, I failed an exam. Um, you know, in fact, I failed more than one exam in medical school. Um, and I remember working so hard, um, feeling a, a bit shy about that. Um, but I... I did what I do best. Um, I really try to figure out ways that I can overcome obstacles. Um, and by the time I turned my second year, um, I did a lot better. I, I didn't fail any exams. Um, I kind of adjusted the way I studied. I really um, worked towards um, fine-tuning what worked best for me. I think my first year, um, I really struggled with you know, taking in the amount of information that they give you. And 
one of my friends who is a doctor, um, I think she described it best, and I really like the way she described it. Um, the Every day when you're in medical school, you have lectures, and those lectures you could be tested on. Um, she described it as um, a dump truck. If a dump truck were to drop, you know, get like unload everything, all the contents on the ground, um, it's it feels like that. And then you just try to dig yourself out. Every day kind of felt like that. Um, and I think having, um, downtime with friends during medical school, um, helped with stress. Um, I think, um, also the support of the staff at InMed made a huge difference. Um, they were, they were a resource I could turn to, um, if I needed any help. They were a resource that I could turn to when I needed someone to just listen to me. Um, when I was having a hard day, um, when I felt like I needed a break and, and vent a little bit about, um, you know, just the stresses of medical school and, and feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information I had to, had to know. Um, I went on to do my third and fourth year of medical school. Um, so the first two years were done in Grand Forks. The last two years uh, were in Fargo, North Dakota, and that was a great experience. Um, I love all aspects of medicine, um, but what I I loved the most is internal medicine, and that's the kind of doctor I am and will be board certified in. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about why I thought internal medicine was for me um, the best choice. I really felt like, um, you know, in my aspect, family medicine was almost a little too broad for me. I just I didn't know if if I could be good enough to know that many topics and then do patient care um, to the utmost of my ability. Um, and I really felt like internal medicine was um, challenging. Um, you know, we got cases that are are difficult. Our, our patients are traditionally very, you know, sick. They have a lot of things going on um, and they're really complex. Um, and I always thought of internal medicine physicians as being these like detectives, um, these detectives who we are given a symptom and we really try to tease out um, what it could be using evidence-based medicine. Um, and evidence-based medicine is using um, not only what we know, but also incorporating like up um medicine as it changes because we're always learning and we're always growing. Um, but I remember thinking, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to um, be able to take care of complex adults. I want to be able to take care of the elderly. Um, I have, I think in our culture, we hold our elderly to, to the utmost respect. Um, and I think that is part of the reason why I really like internal medicine. A lot of our patients are are elderly. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't want this to sound um, funny or anything, but, you know, I, I really like my, I really like old people. I really like listening to them. I really like um, being able to help them if they're in pain or relieve anything or even just being there um, uh, to kind of build rapport with them. I really enjoy my older patients. It really does feel fulfilling. And I think a lot of that is because of our culture and how much we respect elderly, um, the elderly, I should say. So, uh, kind of, um, kind of what I alluded to, I, I graduated medical school in May of 2019. Um, and I was lucky enough to be, um, matched at the University of North Dakota here in Fargo for internal medicine. Um, and right now I'm in my second year of internal medicine. Um, my intern year, and, and intern means anybody who's a first year resident, no matter what residency you're in. And you're the hardest worker. Um, I always compare um, becoming a doctor. It's very similar to the military. It's very hierarchical. It's very rank oriented. There's a, um, a chain of command. Um, so I think that 
Um, it really kind of feels like home. Um, the first year was um, not meant to be easy, but I learned a lot. And now I'm kind of transitioning into being that um, senior resident where I'm uh, guiding and teaching uh, new first year residents. Um, and I'm really enjoying that right now. I'm on inpatient medicine. Who are your biggest influences and who inspired you to get into medicine? Gosh, I always feel like this is such a hard question because I've been asked this before. Like, who are my influences um, and who, what was the second part? Or was there an, uh, an incident or events that sort of led you back into medicine or into medicine in the first place? Um, so I, I'll try to answer the first part. You talked a little bit about like uh, what influences I had. Um, I, I wouldn't say that there's... Or, inf- or any individual maybe that had w- such a big impact on me. I think that um, my own resiliency and my own strength was probably my biggest influence. Um, I think seeing how, how, um, how sick Native American people can be. I mean, there's a huge gap in the health disparities within... Uh, the Native American population and the rest, you know, the rest of the population, um, you know, we are a little sicker. Um, you know, we do suffer from things at a higher rate, for example, like a heart disease or um, uh, diabetes. And I, th- I remember thinking, you know, we're, we are worth fighting for. And I didn't know why I couldn't be that person to fight for us for, for, for better access to healthcare. Um, and one of my goals in becoming a physician, I really wanted to um, get in leadership positions where I f- can have an impact on the decision making and policies within um, uh, the healthcare that directly influence and impact the Native American communities that, uh, for example, use our facility here in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, I, I think that what has made me different than a lot of the people, um, maybe not doctors, but maybe some of the people that I grew up, because I remember being on the reservation and being tough, being tough is what you should be. And you have to be that, you know, um, being on the reservation is not easy. Um, in fact, it's it can be very hard. Um, but I had something I felt like my siblings didn't have. Um, I didn't really have that fighter attitude, um, even though they um, kind of pushed me into being more of a fighter and I have to defend myself um, physically and emotionally. Um, but I think it's my empathy and compassion that made me different. I think that really influenced a lot of the decisions I made, um, having that empathy and compassion, um, really, um, made me look at my family and the people around me differently. Um, you know, it really made me think about, um, how I could help the people around me, um, and then trying to figure out the best way I could do it, um, with the skills I had. I think another, big influence in my life is my mother. Um, she's probably um, one of, as far as like an individual, I think people have kind of popped in and out of my life um, who have said encouraging words. Um, and those things are so important when you're young, you know, to have somebody say encouraging words. Um, and I feel like a lot of those people that have popped in and out of my life, whether it was at USD or NDSU, um, I had so much support from professors and just having them say they believe in me. You know, um, I remember one of my chemistry professors uh, actually had pulled me aside and and said I should apply for um, this scholarship because um, he thought that I, um, that it would be a great opportunity for me and um, it would help me with uh tuition but he also had taken the time to get to know me because I was going in asking questions to make sure I understood the um, class uh, material but um, he believed in me you know he wanted me to be a doctor I remember him saying 
Um, he didn't see a lot of Native American doctors um, or any at all. And he really felt like um, that it was attainable for me. Um, and that was powerful. You know, um, not only did he provide an opportunity as far as like tuition assistance, because I ended up getting that scholarship. Um, but I think it's his words that really meant a lot. Um, and I've, I've actually um, run across people like that who, whether they're in the military or school, um, those words of encouragement are really powerful. But I kind of want to get back to why I maybe mentioned my mom specifically having the most influence on me. Um, it's because she she is such a strong individual. Um, you know, when I talk to her, she shows such strength. Um, as before I alluded, I lost a sibling in in college and that kind of shaped my degree. Um, but what I didn't mention earlier was that I lost another sibling a few years later. Um, I think that um, losing siblings, then watching my mother, you know, lose two of her children um, in the the strength she displayed. Um, I think the the resiliency that she displayed was really powerful. Um, and I know that if I uh, needed any type of encouragement, you know, she's that person to kind of give me that, um, you know, like I, that not only that tough love, um, but also that encouragement that um, really there's not anything I can do. I don't ever remember her telling me or making me feel like I couldn't be anything I didn't, you know, I should say she never made me feel like there was nothing I couldn't do. So I think having that kind of um, influence, um, it really made me feel like that I could do anything if I put my mind to it. And that's really powerful. Um, and she, um, you know, besides showing strength and resiliency with my two siblings, you know, we, she was a single mother and um, kind of watching her uh, go through those struggles of raising six kids on her own and we weren't always the best kids. Um, like that was, that was powerful. Um, she did everything. Um, and, you know, I, I, think she even went some nights without eating just to make sure we could have enough food. Um, and I, I just, I could never thank her enough for providing the opportunities that she did and, and the words of encouragement, encouragement that she offered all of us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and if I can, there's one other thing that I'd, I'd like to mention um, because I, I feel like, you know, um, when I say I'm a doctor and I'm, I'm an MD and I am, I'm very proud of it. Um, one thing I, I would like to share with everybody is that I'm no different than anybody who lives on the reservation right now. Um, I grew up very, very poor. I had alluded earlier that my mother probably went, and I know she went without food sometimes so we could eat. Um, you know, I... I remember growing up in a small hut house, you know, like sometimes we didn't have running water. I um, mean, I bring this up because it, I remember feeling bad, you know, sometimes we'd have to boil water and having a bath was a luxury. Um, the water in the sink in the bathroom wasn't running. Brushing our teeth, you know, was a chore. Um, I remember, um, you know, not having enough food sometimes. Um, and because there were six of us, I, you know, it was like, you got to eat quick, otherwise there won't be enough. I mean, I know she tried really hard to make sure that we didn't know that we went without. Um, and I think um, I never felt like we we did go without because I think she did the, the best she could to provide for us, um, ultimately getting her own education to ensure that um, she had a... a a job that could provide for us. Uh, can you talk about um, your experience in the in-med program at UND? All right. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, the in-med program is a program that actually is geared at recruiting Native American students uh, with a passion to helping Native American patients and the communities that they came from. And 
the program up at the University of North Dakota is unique. Um, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the country like it that is really um, geared towards making sure that we have qualified, competent Native American physicians to care for Native American patients. Um, and they offer uh, academic support. Um, they offer um, uh, services for the um, in-med students, a place to study. Um, they offer uh, the students um, these opportunities to meet with other Native American doctors in the in the local area where we can ask them questions. Um, it's an opportunity where we connect um, upperclassmen with lower classmen um, to kind of help mentor and guide lower class, uh, lower uh, uh, first or second year medical students. Um, and I think one of the um, the greatest things about the in-med program is I think it's kind of like this thing maybe we know in, about the Midwest, um, but really it's it's a program that's for strengthening all Native American people. Um, and no matter where you come from, um, whether it's the Southeast and the, like the Navajo Nation or even out East, um, they are such a valuable program that really understands the unique of where we come from. And when I say the uniqueness of where we come from, uh, understanding what a reservation is, understanding the lives we've lived, understanding the hardships we experience that not our, our peers don't necessarily uh, experience um, coming from families that don't have money. You know, we don't, you know, I, you know, you and I have done this with just the support of you, you know, you really have worked and provided while I was in medical school. Um, because we don't, I don't come from a family of money. You don't come from a family of money. Um, so I, I, I think that InMed is, is such a valuable resource because they do understand that. They do understand that Native American families are not just your brother and sister. They understand that our siblings um, are extended beyond our, our actual biological siblings. Our first cousins are our brothers and sisters. Um, they understand that we come from a unique cultural background that needs to be supported, um, that our culture is something that makes us unique. And it's something that is encouraged while we're in medical school. Um, you, the um, InMed program um, provides opportunities where we kind of weave our culture um, into this edu educational process, which is so important um, because as somebody who was once, you know, not, you know, uh, you know, and I hate saying this, it's not that I was proud, but, you know, it, I think kind of being... Um, maybe borderline bullied, being Native American growing up, being really shy, you know, it's some, it has an impact. And then um, being around people who are proud of being Native American, like these are celebrated and they need to be celebrated because we are people that are unique and we have um, cultural uniqueness that needs to be encouraged, that needs to be pushed, it needs to be celebrated, um, because these are th these are things that make us unique and who we are. Um, and ultimately, it helps us provide the best patient care, especially if they come from different cultural backgrounds. They don't necessarily have to be Native American, but it's something that I know I um, take great pride in, you know. Um, so that should be it. I just want to jump in on that. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, the encouragement that uh, a structure in a program like InMed has. Um, I experienced that same thing with the Oscar Howe program when I was a kid. Um, I was intentionally and excessively bullied as a kid. And, you know, when I was, you know, I'm, I'm half Native American. And so uh, as soon as the kids knew I was a Dakota, 
they were on me, you know, and it was, it was hard. It was horrible, you know, and it was encouraged by their parents. It was supported by their parents. Cause I would see the parents react to some of the things the kids would say. And I, I was ashamed of who I was. Um, I didn't blame being native American. I didn't, I didn't blame my parents. I just felt bad for, for not being white enough. Like, you know, like those other kids. And so I sort of drew back into myself and I started drawing, uh, mostly just to hide in my, to hide in my room and for an excuse to not come out. And so when I got accepted and I went to the Oscar Hausmer Art Institute, it was the first place that I had ever been to where we were supported, um, celebrated, encouraged, uh, for being, um, Native American youth. It suddenly it wasn't a bad thing anymore. And yeah, you know, I, grew up on the reservation and I didn't up until a certain age, I didn't know being native American was any different than anything else, you know, until you hit that certain age in youth where suddenly, you know, everyone starts drawing lines in the sand, you know, saying, okay, you're white, you're native, whatever it is. And so, yeah, um, I, I, I draw parallels to maybe what InMed is as far as, um, recognize cultural relevance, uh, where people come from and recognizing that, yeah, there are, there are distinct differences, um, that are not there for people of native, you know, for native Americans, you know, and coming for, we come from our, in our cultural backgrounds. So, yeah. Um, I think programs like InMed and culturally specific programs, I think, uh, are such a service to, to who we are these days. Cause it, you know, people mindlessly think about, um, the inclusion of America and doing the melting pot and all that, but it's nonsense cause it doesn't take into considerations of, of the differences between all of our cultures. So what have you learned along the way? What have I learned along the way? I think that what I've learned, or I think one of the most important lessons um, growing up, um, especially moving off the reservation um, to a, 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 a predominantly um, Caucasian town is um, one of the lessons I learned is I'm, I'm proud to be Native American. I'm, I'm proud of the culture we come from. I'm, I'm proud of who we are. Um, when I drive on to my reservation, I'm, I'm proud of where I came from. Uh, when I look at the small communities and families, I see a culture that is still thriving. I see people that are making sure that our language and our cultural ways are still surviving. Uh, I see strong, resilient families. I see families that are strong and dedicated to one another um, and are really devoted and loyal to one another. And I think that is so powerful. Um, other things uh, that I've learned along the way is that I'm stronger than I think I am. Uh, I am smarter than I think I am. I think at times during medical school when I got super stressed out, I, you know, I, I couldn't help but think, uh, over, being overwhelmed and, you know, um, I never doubted I could do it, but I couldn't help but feel a little beat down a few times, you know? Um, so I, I, realizing I was stronger than I actually knew. Um, I thought, you know, knowing those things. Um, and I think that one of the things I learned along the way um, is that I have, I feel like a real gift and that gift is helping people. Um, I think that I have a gift. Um, I, I feel like when I talk to patients, um, you know, I'm able to build a relationship and rapport with them and make them um, 
um, feel comfortable and let them know I'm trustworthy. And I feel uh, so privileged when I'm able to treat people and, and, and have the opportunity to be a part of their care. And I think giving them an opportunity to see a Native American doctor, um, be competent, um, someone who they don't normally see in the office. Um, you know, I, um, I have a couple of patients and, you know, I, I think about them and, um, and when I'm able to help somebody, that is one of the best feelings in the world. So I think that kind of goes along with, um, then as far as knowing that I, I am smart enough, I can do this, um, and really giving myself that grace, um, maybe when I, cause I can't know everything and that's why I'm in residency, really giving myself that break, um, that I can't know everything because sometimes it gets frustrating. I, I, I want to know more. I want to be better. I want to, um, you know, uh, learn as much as I can from all the patients that um, provide me the opportunity to be part of their care. Um, but giving myself that grace and then and really reminding myself I'm 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 good enough because um, that sometimes when things do get stressful, um, you know, it it's um, being being a physician is not always easy. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege and it's a huge responsibility. So what would you say to the 18-year-old or the 22-year-old or even the, someone in midlife looking to get into the medical field? What I would say, you said to my younger me, and, and when you say younger me, I kind of think about um, maybe that person who just got out of high school, um, going into college for the first time, um, I think that's somebody I would set aside um, because I didn't, like I had mentioned, I, di- I wasn't confident for a lot of different reasons um, and insecure and letting her know that she is worthy, she is smart enough, she has the capability um, to become a doctor because that's ultimately what I wanted to do when I started college at 18. Um that even though I didn't see anybody in those footsteps, that I could be that role model for other young Native American students um, to have them see someone who grew up on the reservation um, and, and accomplish this, that we can do this. You know, being able to... Um, let her know that she's going to do things that a lot of people don't get to do, uh, that she's going to change lives. She's going to provide um, mentorship to other Native American students that need it um, because we do come from a completely different background. We do need a little support because sometimes our families are not the most stable. I mean, we have outside stressors that I feel like a lot of my peers didn't have to deal with. Um, uh, so letting her know that, um, she is strong enough, she can do it and she's going to not only be strong for herself, but she's going to be strong for other people around her, um, so that they can become a doctor, that they are worthy and strong enough to do the things they want to do. Uh, and, uh, if I were to talk to somebody who is in the process of starting the medical, you know, undergraduate, if they're looking to become a doctor, um, I would encourage them to work hard, study hard, um, because that's a lot of it. Um, A lot of it is being able to be disciplined. Um, You know, you have to earn those good grades. Um, You do, and, but it's not unattainable. Um, I wouldn't, I would tell other people to take advantages of, student services, um, like tutoring services to help them understand 
um, or work through things, whether it's chemistry, inorganic or organic chemistry, um, or physics. I'm going to go back to physics. I sought services. So there's services out there who help students to be successful and not to be afraid to take advantage of those opportunities in your local university. And I would also... Um, encourage anybody who's in this process and they are feeling overwhelmed, they are feeling stressful, um, they are feeling maybe like, if, if they're feeling like this, is this what they really want to do? I would want to tell all of them that they are strong, they are smart, that they are resilient, and that if they fail, Failure is an opportunity to do it better. And failure doesn't mean you give up. It means you find a way that works better for you. Really reshaping and reframing a lot of those attitudes have a huge impact. And I feel like sometimes I've talked to younger students and even in-med students and really just encouraging them. I think that does a world of difference. Um... And if I am talking to anybody out there who is in a role where they can encourage younger people um, to do what they want to do, um, I, I would highly encourage them to be very, to be very um, forthcoming, to not hold back encouragement um, because I feel like that made a huge impact on my life. Having these few people tell me they believe in me and they're strangers, they're professors. And, and having people believe in me um, was so powerful. Um, and so I, I would want anybody to know that I believe in them. I believe in them even if they fail. I believe in them even if they didn't get the grade that they wanted. I believe in them um, if they have to take the MCAT, for example, twice. I believe in their capabilities. I believe in their strength. Um, I believe in their discipline. And I believe that they can do it. And that actually would be very genuine. It, 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 I really believe that a lot of us can do what we want to do if we put in the hard work um, and have the capability to pick ourselves up and keep moving when, when life is not so fair. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Cicely for her time and sharing her story with us. And um, obviously this one is uh, closer to me than, than uh, these other episodes. Um, you know, she's, like we said at the beginning, you know, she's my, my spouse. We've been uh, married for 12 years. Uh, my best friend, my inspiration, um, and really the, the driving force uh, behind my career in getting me to initiate this podcast and these stories. Um, you know, for her journey through med school um, and through her college years, I've been a front row witness to all of it, and I've seen the struggles and the fighting that she's had to do to get where she's at. And I think that's reflective of most everyone I've spoken to on this on this series. And I think like you, uh, what you've gone through is probably very similar and you can relate to a lot of things that she said. And you know, that's that's the, the point of this series, um, is to uh, point out the success stories, the people who have made it or who are making it happen. And to show that they're that, that you will succeed too and that you're going to make it and you have people that believe in you. Um, one of the things that she mentioned is that there's been a lot of people along the way that has helped her, you know, from from college uh, professors and staff like uh, Dr. Utrinka at the University of South Dakota uh, to her family, to, to um, relatives and to community members. There is a community and network out there that is there to help you. Um, Take the time to seek them out because to have a great mentor you have to be a great mentee and that's that's really a point that I want to drive home is you have to make yourself available so uh, be on the lookout and every day take steps to 
to try to make your own dreams come true because I've seen the transformation from Sis from a young college student to a to a physician now and someone that is on a whole different level uh, than who I met uh, all those years ago. So keep keep going, keep don't give up and seek out assistance and don't let your pride get in your way uh, because your pride will stop. So that isn't very important but more importantly i want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what i feel is a very important story and perspective from our community please join us next week as we speak with another really fantastic person i'm joe williams you can find me on canna that's c-a-n-a-a creativity among native american artists on facebook and at our plainsart.org website uh there you can see the programming the past videos on these podcasts and you can also find us on soundcloud iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and, and other platforms. So keep an eye out for us. If you have any suggestions uh, for someone for me to interview, please find me on the Facebook page and message me. I would love to hear from you. So you take care, and we will see you next week.